What up, world? Welcome back to another Lockdown Blazers. I am Mike Richmond of NBC Sports Northwest. The good version of Yusuf Nurkic showed up in Philly on Saturday. That's uh, perhaps the Blazers' most important player. When Yusuf Nurkic plays well, they tend to win. And he was really, really, really good in Philly. 24 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. Didn't turn the ball over. 9 of 13 from the field, 6 of 7 from the free throw line in 24 minutes. Blazers, 41 points in the third quarter, just smoked Philly in the second half. Beat them 131-15, but it wasn't really that close. Uh, I guess important to note here that there was no Joel Embiid, so a night where Yusuf Nurkic didn't have to play one of the best centers in the league. Instead, it was a tandem of Boban Marjanovic, Jonah Bolden, a rookie second-round pick, and a lot of sort of smaller lineups where Mike Scott played center and a brief period where Amir Johnson got a, a try out there. But really, Philly didn't have any bigs that could match up with Nurkic. Um, and I think this has sort of been debated in the Blazer space or discussed in the Blazer space all year long. And to me, this is just a, yet another example of it. Yusuf Nurkic this season, he has grown into the Blazers' second best player. Damian Lillard was always going to be this version of this team's best player. He had another second straight game to start the road trip. He had kind of a uh, slightly below average scoring night. He only had 17, but he did finish with six boards and eight assists. He only played 30 minutes. Led the t- er, CJ McCollum led the team with 34 minutes. Nobody played more than that. CJ was the only starter, along with maybe Alfred Camino, that really reached those sort of normal minutes. Um, and I'll talk more about this sort of uh, the other starting well, specifically, I'll talk more about the small forward spot a little bit later on in the segment, and then we'll preview uh, Monday's game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. But let's stick here with Yusuf Nurkic for a little bit longer. Uh, like I said, Nurk has, has grown into the Blazers' second-best player this year. He um, What he contributes defensively when he's engaged and what he can do offensively when he's making layups, being efficient, sort of uh, playing up to his size and his skill level, He's, he's just so clearly the, the, the linchpin for this group uh, outside of Damian Lillard. Uh, he's, he's kind of coming off a little bit of a slow, maybe two and a half weeks, where he kind of looked like uh, he was missing more layups. He just wasn't as, as strong. But his two games to start this road trip, he has been fantastic. Nurk has been on a tear as the Blazers have romped uh, a pretty good Brooklyn team and a pretty good Philly team back-to-back. You know, he had 28, excuse me, a 27 and 12 against Brooklyn with three blocks, 24 and 10 against Philly. Uh, but I think the scene that will stick with everyone from that Philadelphia game is during a second half free throw uh, with the Blazers up 15. Uh, ben Simmons, the uh, star forward for Philadelphia 76ers and, and uh, perhaps not a uh, not a favorite of Nurkic's, missed a free throw. Nurkic yelled, hell no. And Ben Simmons, and I'm going to paraphrase here, told him that, told Yusuf Nurkic that he is, he talks too much smack to be as booty as he is. And he asked him, perhaps not so politely, to be bleeping quiet. Um, Later in the game, uh, Ben Simmons got into a dust-up with Ennis Cantor, where Cantor kind of 
pulled a mini flop and then dared Simmons to try that one again to push him over. Uh, that is sort of, he was, Simmons was persona non grata for the Blazers on Saturday afternoon. Uh, but this was more, uh, to me, this was mostly amusing because Ben Simmons, who didn't look like he had his best game. Uh, he just, he didn't seem like he was playing super hard. I'll say that, um, in this game, second game this year, second time this year in the, uh, matchup against Philly that the Joel B Joel and beadless 76ers got routed. Um, obviously this version of them had Tobias Harris out on the floor. So they're a little bit different, but, uh, Simmons, you know, he had he had really nice line, 29 seven boards and 10 assists. But if you're watching the game, he just he was not super engaged, uh, particularly when things got out of hand in the second half and the Blazers looked like they were going to completely run away with the game up uh, 18 heading into the fourth quarter. But uh, I think the sort of <laughs> that standout moment when Simmons is telling Nurkic that he's bad when Nurkic is putting up. 24-10 and four dimes on 9 of 13 um, is a, a truly iconic misreading the moment type of thing. Um, but like I said, I think this uh, this was a big win because Philly was down a was down a uh, down a man. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the sm- small forward position, the Blazers' rotation, and sort of the post canter uh, world when we get back into segment two. Uh, but before we get there, I want to encourage everybody listening that when you get in your car, tell your smart speaker, play Locked on Blazers. Every time you hop in there, this is the perfect podcast for your commute. you got a car that has a smart speaker, a car that uh, that you can ask it or tell it what to play, rather. Hop in there, say, play Locked on Blazers. You can get a make us part of your morning routine or uh, make me, I guess, part of your morning routine. Make it just part of your, uh, when you're driving around routine. If you've got um, places to go driving across the city or wherever you might live, just tell your smart your smart speaker to play Lockdown Blazers and you'll be a lot happier. It'll be a lot better car ride. All right, we just uh, discussed a little bit Yusuf Nurkic, um, the super antagonist in Philly, and he's um, finding his rhythm in, uh, in the Ennis Cantor world now that the Blazers are living in and, and, and Nurkic after having kind of a shaky end to the uh, heading into the all-star break, some shaky games. He's been really, really good. The first, uh, the first two games of the Blazers road trip and it, it hasn't mattered that the Blazers added another center. Um, but uh, since adding Ennis Cantor, and of course I think it's important to point out is that Evan Turner did not play in either of these two uh, games to begin the road trip. And we have seen perhaps uh, what, uh, excuse me, Turner did play, uh, I apologize, against the Nets. He only played eight minutes, and I think he went scoreless. Yeah, scoreless in eight minutes. Um, so you'll uh, have to please forgive me for forgetting those scoreless eight minutes from E.T. But he's uh, he missed Monday's game with a knee injury, or excuse me, he missed Saturday's game with a knee injury. He's r- ruled out for Monday's game against the Cavs with a knee injury. So it'll be the second game uh, in a row where the Blazers will not have Evan Turner. But... I think if you pay attention to this team, uh, Terry Stotts has tipped his hand with how this rotation is going to look. Uh, it's still the same starters, Lillard, McCollum, Harkless, and Mino Nurkic, but he's established an, uh, te- uh, his 10-man rotation 
with Lehman, Cantor, Turner, Hood, and Curry, the guys off the bench. But even without ET, Terry stayed basically with nine guys, rolling with Lehman, Cantor, Hood, and Curry until the game got out of hand. That means that at the end of the game, we got to see a little bit of Gary Trent Jr. and Scalabissier and and Zach Collins make a cameo. Myers Leonard got a DMP against Philly. But um, those nine guys, the, the five stars I mentioned before, and the Lehman, Cantor, Hood, and Curry group, that's, you know, Stotts is telling us, I think this is sort of the question that a lot of people have been writing about. I wrote about it myself uh, on uh, NBCSports.com slash Northwest. You can check that out, but I, I wrote about this last week. But it's, you know, he's, he, he does not like to talk about rotations and who plays and why and, and all those things. He feels a little bit threatened by that line of questioning, uh, the, whether that's fair or not. It's up for you to debate, but... Uh, he, he doesn't, that's not the types of questions Terry Stotts answers very well or very willingly. In fact, he resists answering them at all costs, as far as I can tell. Uh, but he'll tape his hand with what he does. If you pay attention to his, his rotations and rotation choices, it, it's, uh, you can usually kind of get a beat on what he's thinking. Uh, and I think he's, he's told us in these two games who his nine guys are and when E.T.'s back, who his ten guys are. Uh, and and that means that we're just not going to see Zach Collins or Myers Leonard much, barring an injury down the stretch. Uh, hard to really nitpick too much with him, even though I know that's kind of the nature of this world. Ennis Cantor didn't have a super efficient night in his 21 minutes against Philly, but he still just does what he does, which is fill up the stat sheet. 16 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. Um, hard to say that guys like Leonard and uh, and... Even Collins deserved to play over him when when Cantor is doing that. And until um, teams can really take advantage of the Blazers uh, defensively with Cantor on the floor, I don't think there's going to be any decisions made. But if we're talking about rotation stuff and talking about the Blazers, we are legally obligated to discuss Maurice Harkless and Jake Lehman. The Blazers' two small forwards. Uh, I think Evan Turner would be put in that mix, but he's more of a point forward. His role has changed a little bit, so he very rarely plays what you could call just a straight-up small forward. Uh, the Blazers have leaned away from playing him with Damon CJ uh, over the last month. They've played that lineup a lot less after kind of relying on it early in the season as one of their go-to best looks. But that group has kind of faded out just the way the rotation has broken out. And with Jake Lehman playing better and the addition of Rodney Hood, there are... Uh, almost no minutes for ET to play in a true small forward spot. Why don't include hood in that sort of, uh, small forward rotation? Cause he plays a lot of four. Um, he's when, for the most part, when he's been on the court with Lehman, he's playing a power forward or guarding power forwards. Um, so let's, we're excluding him from this conversation, but Maurice Harkless, he is working on a streak after this game against Philly, where he put up 13 points, five rebounds to assist, Three steals, two blocks. One of his better games of the season. Six and nine from the floor. He is now, for the first time all season long, he has had three consecutive games in double figures. Dating back to the Warriors game prior to the All-Star break. But two in a row to start um, this road trip. This all-important seven-game road trip for the Blazers. Uh, Maurice Harkless is kind of looks more like himself. He's just been, he's been a little more aggressive with his seals. He's... He's made some plays in transition. Uh, against Philly, he didn't get sort of lulled into shooting a bunch of three-pointers. He only took one and made one. Uh, all of a sudden, he the the sort of 
pressing questions. Why Harkless? Why Harkless? Why Harkless? He's given some sort of reasons, some early indications. Here's why Harkless. He can still do some things. Um, he's playing fewer minutes than Lehman. And I think I've talked about this ad nauseum, so I don't want to get too far into it. Um, Lehman's playing 28, 29, 30 minutes. Harkless is in that 20 to 22 range. Um, so even when Harkless does play well, he isn't eating into Jake's minutes. They've basically, they've basically just, uh, given him that Victor Claver Harkless, that is that Victor Claver Memorial, um, starting spot. And, uh, that means that he might play a little bit less, but, uh, Terry Stotts likes that grouping. He likes that five man grouping. I think it's very unlikely that he changes it at this point, although we might get there, but if Harkless can flirt with double digits and can flirt with consistency. And I think that's I, the word I should have mentioned that first segment and talking about Nurkic is when you get that sort of consistent production from guys like that, it's really, really special. But when we are legally obligated to talk about Maurice Harkless, we're also legally obligated to talk about how good Jake Lehman is at scoring. And while he hasn't had really big offensive nights, uh, you know, six and eight points to start on this road trip. He's had a couple highlights, um, some some alley-oop dunks you'll remember. He just does things well. Uh, and I want to give, this will probably be the first of many, but a shout-out to a good thing I read about the Blazers this week. This is on hoopshype.com, written by, I'm going to say Brian Kalbroski. Could be pronouncing your name wrong. Could be Kalbroski. I'm going to say, Kal- well, let's go with Kalbroski. Brian Kalbroski wrote this at hoopshype.com. It is the uh, article titled, Jake Lehman has been the, quote, secret weapon for the Trailblazers. Uh, perhaps not that secret if you follow the team, um, because uh, the way Jake plays is that he mostly does things like make three-pointers and dunk. Hard to keep a secret when most of what you do is take um, pull-up threes and ace alley-oops. But hey, secret to the rest of the world. But why I want to bring this up is uh, Brian went a... Uh, pretty heavy on stats here. This is a, I would say a stats focused article, which is always, uh, uh, interesting to me, a sort of analytics dork in my own self-proclaimed. Um, but I think that the stuff that really stands out to me is, and, and I encourage you all to read this again, it's on hoopsite.com. Uh, he talks about what a good finisher at the rim Jake Lehman has come. He's, he's somewhere between the 90th and 97th percentile, depending on what you're measuring at finishing around the rim. Um, and, and, and some of that is just because, uh, when you catch a lot of alley-oops, particularly on the sort of back cut alley-oops that Lehman has feasted on, um, where the Blazers kind of run an action that looks like Lehman's going to the wing and he just makes that reading curls right to the rim. Then if you get, he gets guy in his back, um, he's become really, really good at just sort of making that hard cut towards the rim. He's, he's probably the Blazers best cutter. Um, I'm not going to say probably he's, he's grown into the Blazers best cutter. That used to be Maurice Harkless's by far his best skill, but Lehman has, has definitely surpassed him with that. Um, but, you know, Lehman has some moves around the rim, has, has, has probably more off-the-bounce game than people give him credit for. He can he can do some things when he dribbles. Uh, he's he can, uh, he's can he got more stuff to his game. Uh, also in this article, I don't want to spoil it all because, again, I encourage you to read it. It talks about what a good pull-up jump shooter Lehman is, what a good uh, shooter he is off dribble handoffs. Uh, it's just an interesting look. It's a it's sort of the stuff you already know about Lehman. You know he gets buckets. You know he can heat up in a hurry. He's sort of got that microwave ability to uh, um, score points in absolute bunches. But uh, this hoops hype article sort of points out the t- statistical basis behind what you've been seeing from him and gives you some uh, sort of hardcore numbers and or sort of hard numbers, just sort of hard evidence about what the things you kind of see with your eyes when you watch him play. 
Uh, and uh, they're impressive. He's got some. He's got some pretty good numbers in there. So check that out. Uh, and shout out to my man, who I've actually never met, but Brian Kobrowski for for a good piece on hoopsite.com. All right, when we get back, we're going to talk about the Blazers' upcoming game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Welcome back. Still locked on Blazers. I'm still Mike Richmond. Uh, Blazers play the Cleveland Cavaliers tonight uh, in Cleveland. Game three of Blazers 7-gamer. Cavs, winners of two in a row. Beat Phoenix on Thursday and Memphis on Saturday. Kevin Love, huge game against Memphis. 32 points and 12 rebounds. 10 in the fourth quarter, 20 in the second half. 5 of 6 from 3. The boy's back. Well, sort of. Uh, That was only his fourth game he's played since uh, November. He had a foot injury that basically cost him 50 games, 40 games. Um, Maybe maybe more like 50 games, excuse me. but that gives the that gives the Cavs, if nothing else, another legitimate basketball player to add to the mix. Um, they don't always have those. Uh, Colin Sexton and Jetty Usman have, or Jetty Osman have, have been good, but um, they're just not quite uh, elite NBA players just yet. Sexton might turn into one. I kind of like his game. Rookie point guard out of Alabama, and Jetty Osman is a uh, is a Mike Richmond favorite. So. Uh, but the Cavs are bad. Um, that is that is kind of uh, the nature of this one. They, um, you know, they're fourteen and forty-six. They're on pace to be one of the worst teams in the NBA. Uh, Kevin Love aside, they're just not that good. He did not play in the first meeting, but the Blazers. Um, it was one of those games where they just boat raced the Cavs, but never really stopped them. Uh, they just kind of held them at arm's length. You will recall that Yusuf Nurkic had a triple double in twenty-eight minutes. 10, 11, and 10, I believe, off the top of my head. Um, uh, but he came back into the fourth quarter when the Blazers' uh, subs couldn't put the game away, and they had to bring the starters back in. Damian Lode in that game, 33 points on 11 of 19 shooting, hit 4 of 6 from 3. He was incredible. Um, and uh, Ronnie Hood, it will be his first game against his former team, and he had 20 points for the Cavs last time they played the Blazers. So uh, <laughs> the sort of Hood's role replaced by Kevin Love, who I... Uh, who hasn't been playing a ton of minutes um, in his return, but um, they're ramping him back up. They were always going to take him, uh, take it slow. A couple people have reported that. Most recently, Joe Varden of The Athletic sort of laid out the uh, the Cavs' plan for Kevin Love. They're not going to rush him back. They don't necessarily want to win. That is not um, not the most helpful thing you could possibly do, um, but it is uh, for the Cavs situation. But I think this is an important game um, just sort of in the taking care of business category. Uh, the Blazers, the road trip definitely gets tougher with Boston and Toronto following this uh, following this game against the Cavs. So take care of business. You get up to three wins on a seven-game road trip. You put yourself in the sort of right position. It'll be four in a row for the Blazers, um, if you, counting, uh, like I mentioned before, that game before. Uh, game for the All-Star break against the Warriors that kind of started this little run, this, this mini uh, three-game winning streak. The Blazers' seventh such uh three-game winning streak of the season. But uh, you just want to beat the bad teams. Uh, Cavs are a bad team. I think the Blazers can score at this team at will. They've, um, you know, they're growing into, they're a a top-five offense 
in the league, and, and they're trending upwards since the addition of Enes Kanter. This team can really play. They haven't had really big nights from either of their guards to start this road trip. Uh, they didn't necessarily need a huge night from, from Lillard against Philly. Certainly didn't. Uh, he had a, you know off-shooting night against, against Brooklyn, but CJ McCollum hasn't had big offensive games yet, so this could be a game for those two to get right. It could be another game just uh, with the way that uh, Cleveland can uh, occasionally struggle defensively for, for the for the bigs to get right. Uh, so this could be another big Nurkic night. And like I said in that first segment, is that a consistent and productive Nurkic is so crucial to the Blazers and perhaps the best barometer for how well they're playing. He rarely has a sort of big, efficient, uh, you know, a big, efficient game uh, when the Blazers aren't rolling teams. You know, they've lost a handful of games when he's played well, but he's, I think, his... Um, his consistency and his and his sort of how engaged he is really is a good barometer for how well this team is playing or sort of how, what their ceiling is on any given night. Uh, like I said, this is going to be a no Evan Turner night, so you expect Stotts will probably stick with his that nine-man rotation, Hood, Curry, Cantor, and Lehman off the bench. Uh, you want to win this one because the next two are really hard. Um, and uh, you put yourself in, in, in a really nice position if you start this road trip 3-0. I don't want to belabor this too much. Um, the game's... This is a much bigger deal. I've said this a lot about a lot of games against for the Blazers this year against bad teams. This is only a big deal for Blazers lose. You expect them to take care of business just the way they're playing. But, you know, stranger things have happened. Um, if, they, uh, if they do lose, uh, we will... Uh, hold an emergency podcast and decry what's wrong with the Blazers. Um, but uh, probably nothing. Uh, that's probably going to do it for me on this episode. Uh, if you like what you hear, give us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, I asked for these last time I got um, limited responses, but the one person who gave me one, I really appreciate it. But yeah, most of the uh, why I say this is most of the iTunes reviews are sort of outdated now. Uh, they're talking about the previous host and the sort of previous episodes. So I'd love for you to go on there. Tell me what you think about the uh, new sounding Locked on Blazers. Uh, you can, as always, you can hit me up at Mike G. Rich on Twitter. And uh, you can find my written work at NBCSports.com slash Northwest. Uh, and uh, I will talk to you guys soon later this week as the Blazers have a busy week continuing this, continuing this road trip with three games. Thanks for listening.